Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brian Krumah. Reverend Brian Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. In heaven, we are grateful, we are thankful tonight for making way for us to be here. We pray, Lord, that you give us of your spirit to teach us. And Lord, we ask that you give us hearts that are receptive to your word, hearts that are fertile to your word, hearts upon which your word can be planted on. We are grateful and thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands together for the Lord, and you may be seated. for a short time we want to continue our message on the good work that God has begun in us the good work that God has begun in you God has begun a good work in you God is doing a good work in you and he's not done yet. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. The good work that God has begun in our lives. He says, being confident of this very thing, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing. Be confident of this. Be confident. Whatever stage you are in your life, God is entreating you to be confident. Whatever stage it is that is in your life, be confident that God has begun a good work in you. And he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means the good work will continue going on at any stage where you are in your life. The work is not completed. And he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And we are talking about seven areas that God is doing a good work in you. We began talking about the good work that God is doing on your heart or on your spirit. Then we talk about the good work that God is doing on your soul. On your soul. We, we said a lot about the soul, about your mind, your emotions, and about your will. Do you remember? We said a lot about the soul. And then we talked about the flesh. The good work that God is doing on your flesh. How many of you agree with me that God needs to do some work on our flesh? God needs to do work on our flesh. Amen. And no matter what stage we are as Christians, no matter where we come as Christians, no matter what stage we are, there is still work being done on our flesh. Do you understand? God is still doing work on our flesh and we should avail ourselves for God to do this work on us. So no matter who you are, whether you are a deacon, whether you are a pastor, you are a shepherd, you are whoever you are, your flesh can overtake you. Your flesh can overtake you. Do you understand? It is very important for us to be conscious of the potentials of the flesh. That is why I stress on it. And that awakens you. It awakens you and it alights your spirit and makes it obvious to you that at this stage, this behavior, this thing that you are doing, 
is because you have allowed the flesh to overtake you. Do you understand? And we say that the flesh and the spirit are in constant battle. They are fighting. They are in a race. And every now and then, the spirit takes over and you do certain things. And other times, the flesh takes over and you are doing certain things. Do you understand? And you ought to allow the spirit always to dominate. You have to always allow the spirit to dominate. And you have to make conscious effort that the spirit is in control. And this stage, the flesh is in control and I have to overcome it. Paul said, I put this flesh, I put this body under. This is Paul, Apostle Paul, who received deep revelations, who really had an encounter with Christ. Paul's call was so supernatural. And even him, he realizes that after he has preached to others, if he doesn't put this flesh under, he will fall. Do you understand? He will fall. And so you have flesh, you have spirit. You have flesh, you have spirit. You have flesh, you have spirit. Everyone has flesh and spirit. So everyone has a potential to fall. Do you understand? Everyone has potential to fall. That is why, that is why the scripture exhausts us to restore such an one in a spirit of what? Meekness. When we see someone has fallen or someone is falling, you who are spiritual at that stage, do you understand? You are spiritual at this stage now in your walk. You restore such an one with the, with the spirit of meekness. That means in humility, knowing in yourself, considering that you yourself, you, since you also have flesh and Spirit, you have a potential to fall. Do you understand? You have a potential to fall. So that is why we don't judge. We do not judge. If you do something evil, we don't judge you. But we restore you. We exalt you. Knowing in ourselves, considering in ourselves also that one day it may be your time. Do you understand? That is why you don't leave a church because the pastor has been overtaken by the flesh. Paul calls it overtaking. That means as they are going, the spirit and the flesh. The pastor also has the spirit and the flesh. So if a church member, if an ordinary church member can be overtaken by the flesh, so a pastor can also be overtaken by the flesh. But we also be conscious to put this flesh under, to put this body under. But every now and then, the flesh may take lead. But you don't leave because the pastor has been led by the flesh. You who are spiritual at this stage, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness. Not in your boastful way, I am leaving the church. Look at the pastor. Because you are not considering yourself also. Do you understand? You who are spiritual today, in a spirit of meekness, Pray for the pastor. Restore him. In a spirit of meekness. So you don't leave a church because you don't like this behavior of someone. You don't like the behavior of a shepherd. A shepherd and you are behaving like this. Look at the pastor and you are behaving like this. Look at, you see, we judge not. Because we know also that we also have flesh and we have spirit. Amen. So Paul says, for him, that's what he does. He's put this body under subjection. Amen. Amen. So be conscious. Be conscious of if you are sitting in a church and we are preaching and you are sitting here and you are listening and then something is telling you, go out, go out, go out. You see, you are sitting there, but you feel that you have to go out. You feel like you have sat down for too long. And it will not be too wrong to go out. Just sneak out. Go down slowly and go out. Just go out. You see? It's the flesh. It's the flesh. The flesh does not like the things of God. Do you understand? And he says, go out. Go out. And then you go out. 
And say, just take a little walk and then come back. And then you walk out and then you stand on the street. You have nothing to do. There's nothing that you are doing. And then you see the flesh begins to show you things. Starts showing you things. And then someone is passing by and then he shows you the dress the person is wearing. Then he starts talking to you. You see, look at, you see, it's the same dress that you have. <laughs> it's that, it's, it looks like the one that you have. Just that this one has a little greenish in it. And then you are, you are looking at, you see, useless things like that. Useless, this one is a little greenish. The church is going on. And this is the things that you are, do you see? And then he says, as you are going back, check the washroom, you know. Check the washroom. And then, and then you, feel, you feel like you have to look at the washroom. And then you feel like you have to look in the mirror. And then check your hair. And then you see something then tells you, but the service is going. The preaching is going. You are missed. It's a spirit now. And then you feel like you have to come back. And then you feel in yourself, it's not nice. You see, it's not nice that the message is going on and it's the flesh. So they are in constant battle, always taking the opportunity to control what your thoughts are and what you will do. But you have to be conscious of it and say, I put this flesh under. Always. I put this flesh under. Amen. It's the flesh that will always say, you need to do me, do my hair, do this, do this. And the spirit says, give me a few, time, a few minutes to do my quiet time. You say, okay, well, I'll, I'll let you do it on the train. I'll let you do it on the bus. And then you spend all the time polishing the flesh. So when you are doing this, be conscious of that. That is why I'm stressing it with. Be conscious of that. That that moment, the flesh is dominating. The flesh is dominating. Do you understand? Be conscious of that. Amen. So we shared a lot about the flesh and... Um, we talk about different dimensions of the flesh. We talk about the sinner's flesh. And we talk about the uncontrolled Christian flesh. And we talk about the controlled Christian flesh. And we say that the uncontrolled Christian flesh is just like an unbeliever. You are, the only difference is that you, you go to church. Do you understand? The uncontrolled Christian flesh the behavior and the actions of the uncontrolled Christian flesh is just like an unbeliever. Do you understand? It's just like an unbeliever. Now, unbeliever has uncontrolled flesh. The only difference is that the unbeliever's flesh is in sync with his spirit. Do you understand? It's a happy flesh. You know, it sins with joy and no guilt. Are you listening to me? Whereas the Christian flesh, when it sins... The spirit convicts you, but you can't control it. It's an uncontrolled Christian flesh. That is why we have Christians who fornicate, and then you feel, you, you feel guilty. Whereas an unbeliever will fornicate, and there is no guilt. In fact, he has a book that he has written, the names of the women, or the names of the men that, and that he is conquering. Do you understand? And he calls it conquering. Do you, and then the Christian, the uncontrolled Christian flesh, you get certain guilt, but you can't control it. When it comes again, you do it again because you can't control it. That is the uncontrolled Christian flesh. And so when you look at the behavior, that is why you look at certain Christians, they are just like unbelievers, but they are born again. But you don't have control over your flesh. The, the only difference is that Sundays you come to church. Every Sunday you come to church. When there is a party, the things that the unbelievers drink, your flesh also desires it. And there is no constraint. You will take it. Do you understand? But the controlled Christian flesh, the thing that is passing by looks chilled and nice. But something will make you not take it. Because you have control over the flesh. You have control over what the flesh wants to drink. Or you don't understand what I'm sharing with you. And then we talk about the glorious or resurrected flesh. The glorious or the resurrected flesh. Amen. 
Wonderful. And then we started talking about the good work that God has begun on the human spirit. The human spirit. And then under this, we started talking about the wicked and unsaved spirit. The wicked and unsaved spirit. The wicked and unsaved spirit. We read a scripture in Jeremiah. Let us look at it. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, the heart is synonymous with the spirit. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about your human heart that is beating. Do you understand? That is not what the Bible is talking about. The, the heart, the human heart that is beating, what is in it is blood. Do you understand? So if we say, we don't know what is in your heart, we know what is in your heart. What is in your heart is blood mixed with oxygen. Do you understand? That is not what we are talking about. We're talking about the spirit, the spirit that is in you. Do you understand? Which is your core being, which is who you are. Do you understand? That is who you are. And it makes it synonymous with the heart. Do you understand? The heart is the core of the human. Without a heart, there is no human. Do you understand? But when we talk about the heart, it's the spirit man, the inner man. And the Bible says in our raw nature, in our unsafe state, the heart of a man is desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Now you realize it's not saying the mind of a man. You see, it's not saying the mind of a man is desperately wicked. It's saying the heart of a man is desperately wicked. And he says, who can know it? You can know it. You cannot know it. So the things that a person is saying is not from his heart. Then you will know it. Isn't that so? When a person speaks, the person speaks what is on his mind. And we can tell what is on your mind by what you say. We can tell what is on your mind. But what is in your heart, we can tell. And that the Bible says is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The words of a person or the things that the person speaks is mostly what is on the mind. And people don't usually expose their hearts. People think of what they are saying. When you go for an interview and they are asking you questions, you don't pour out your heart. Or is that what you do? In fact, you must have rehearsed what you are going to say. You must have found out about the mission of the company and it's on your mind. You have read it. You have asked people. You are not telling them what's in your heart. If you are going for an interview and you have plans that you are going to be trained here, when they give you the experience, you learn very well, you are going to move on. Do you tell them that? You don't tell them that. Is that not what is in your heart? Is that not what is in your heart? But you don't tell them. That, oh, I am here for one and a half years. And when I get experience, (laughs) I'll move on. Is that what we tell them? But that is your plan. That is really what is in your heart. And they can't know it. They can't know it. They can only know what's on your mind. Even when they ask you. They are trying to know it. You You are not revealing it. Where do you see yourself five years from now? You say, I'll be established in the company and um, I'm looking at myself as being a manager close to a managerial position in this company and I am looking to move this company forward in five years. And meanwhile, what is in your heart is totally... We are planning to relocate to Ohio. Very far from the place. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So people don't usually speak what is on their hearts or what is from their hearts. They speak what is on their minds. So a soft-spoken man 
who is always smiling, who is always quiet, does not reveal what is in his heart. It is not what is in his heart. Do you understand? Neither is a, a, a beautiful woman, you know, who is quiet, soft-spoken. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? That, you know, says yes all the time. That's not necessarily mean someone who is easy to be with. And it's, that is not what it means. Or you don't understand what I'm sharing with you. Neither does a loud woman who is who is gay going and joyous and loud, you can say that that is not a good wife. That is not a potentially good wife. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You can say that. You can say that, oh, because this person is jovial and she's always around and loud and this, she's not. Perhaps that is a very good wife. Perhaps that is a very good wife. You don't know what is in that person's heart. You don't know what is in that person's heart. So you can look at someone and, and conclude that this is going to be a good wife. This is going to be a good wife. You are looking at a person who is desperately wicked, but you don't know. Do you understand? Whereas this person who is all out and loud and happy and the best. Yes. The best. The best. The best. I'm telling you, they are the best. And if you, if you marry one like that, you realize that you are really blessed to have married one like that. Whereas you would have married one who is quiet and, you know, walking around and, you know, doesn't talk much, you know. And <laughs> you, you, you say, oh, I like this sister. I, I like this brother. I like this sister. I like this brother. You can know what is in the heart. You will not know it. You will not know it. Amen. So it's a big mistake. This flesh, if this flesh is your assessment, do you understand? If this flesh is your assessment to say, oh, she has nice calves and she dresses nicely and I like her smile and the way she talks. This flesh and this is the wife that I'm choosing. You are making a big mistake. You are making a big mistake. Oh, you don't understand what I'm sharing with you. What is in a man's heart is what actually makes who he is or who she is. And the Bible says, that of an unsaved one, when the person is not saved, that we know clearly that is desperately wicked. That means you don't even try to figure it out. That means when a person is an unbeliever, when a person is not saved, you can conclude that this person is desperately wicked. Do you understand? Yeah. Believe the Bible and you will be saved. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you, you cannot know what is in a person's heart. You cannot know. Occasionally, occasionally, what is in a person's heart may slip out by accident. Do you understand? And it only happens when the mind is not conscious or when the mind is asleep. Do you understand? What the person brings out is usually controlled by the mind. The mind brings out what it wants to. But if you want to know what is in a person's heart, it is only when the mind is asleep. When the mind is not conscious and the mind is not supervising. Do you understand? Or you don't understand? For example, when a person is angry. When a person is angry, the mind is not controlling things. The mind is not supervising properly. And that's those moments, what is in the heart comes out. Oh, you don't get it. At that moment, what is in the heart comes out. 
When the person is angry, unguarded moment, you can catch what is in a person's heart. Other times, uh, other unguarded moments is when the person is excessively happy. Do you understand? You are overjoyed. Like we feed you with some food. And then you are very happy. You are full. And, you know, you, then you begin to talk. And the mind is just going. And then what is in the heart starts coming out. There are some people, when you feed them real good food, oh, you get a lot of things from them. <laughs> Do you see? Oh, yeah. There are some people, when you feed them real good food, you, they begin to say a lot of things. Or when a person is excessively sad, when a person is really sad, they begin to pour out their hearts. Do you understand? They begin to pour out their hearts. Then the mind loses control. That is why, oftentimes, after instances like this, you regret the things that you have said. <laughs> you, 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 you realize that I have leaked, my heart has leaked out. You realize that I have let my heart loose. You didn't guard it. Do you understand? And then you regret. And then you say, ah, what was wrong with me? You let yourself go. You see? <laughs> you let yourself, and then you pour out your heart. But what is really in the heart, you don't want it to come out because it is desperately wicked. It is desperately wicked. True or not true? In your unguarded moments, the things that you say, you regret later. When you are angry, you say things that afterwards you are, you are sorry. But that is really what is in your heart. That is what you wanted to say. Or that is what has been in your heart, but you don't want to say. Amen. Yes, yeah, so the heart of a man is desperately wicked. Human beings are very wicked. Human beings are wicked. We read some of the characteristics of the unsaved man in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, I believe verse 18 or verse, verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. We said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Men hold the truth in unrighteousness. And the wrath of God is leashed unto man. Then it says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. We see God everywhere in us. We see God in the creation. We see God in our lives. We see God every day. God is so obvious to us. Do you understand? God is so obvious to us. That is why there's so many things, because we do not acknowledge God, we can't find a reason. We can't explain it. There's so many things. We cannot explain and the reason why we can't explain is we have excluded the reason. We have excluded the reason. But God is in every reason and God is with us all over. Except that he says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That means in us. God has manifest in us what needs to be known of him. It's in us. That is why everywhere, every group of people tend to want to have some being, some supreme being. Every group of people. Do you see? Every group of people, except that they just do not want to acknowledge that this is the God. This is God. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The invisible things of him 
from the creation of the world, just from that, are clearly seen. Clearly. From the creation, they are clearly seen. Prince, do you understand? It, it clearly seen. The, look at the ocean. Look at the mountains. Look at trees. Look at life. Look at how things regenerate. How cycles of life go on. They are clearly seen. That somebody must have put this all together. Somebody must have put this all together. And in, with us, besides the natural, we don't see anything else that just come. That is benefiting us. Like, we can imagine that this case was just made. It just came. We cannot, we, we, we will not believe that. Or this device here, this device, we can tell some people that this device, it just came. Do you understand? We, somebody must have put this together. But we can, simple thing like this, simple thing like this, we can't even, if I tell you, Donna, this there was just, it just came. You will not believe it. You, but someone as complex like this, what is in here is greater than what is here. That, if I say it just came, people believe it. That the brain is, as, is the, uh, very complex, more complex than this. Even the brain is complex than this. But we can, we can say that that just came to be. Do you understand? The heart, like no other machine that man has made, beats non-stop. Beats non-stop. Doesn't take a break. The heart cannot go for maintenance and say, today, we have to go for maintenance, stop work and go for maintenance. It will beat every day, every minute, when the body is at rest, when the body is awake, when the body is sleeping, when the body is walking, continue to beat non-stop, non-stop, non-stop. Can't take a break. But it's always regenerated, has energy. I mean, this just happened. But we can easily say that this just existed. It just came to being. There's no God. You see, so the Bible is saying, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. We didn't attribute all of these things to God. We didn't glorify him as God. We didn't, we didn't assign these things to God. Neither were thankful. We are not even thankful. We don't rise up and be thankful for the sun. For the energy that the sun gives us. We are not thankful. We are not thankful for water. That we have, I mean, the formula for what, I mean, the use of water. Without which we, can, we cease to exist. We are not thankful. We are not thankful. We are not thankful for the air that is around us, that we are breathing. We are not thankful that it just existed. Do you understand? So why not any other air? Why is it that it has to be generated from plants so that it is always being replenished? It will never finish. As much as we will use air and burn and burn, human beings can burn, animals are burning oxygen, and burning and burning and burning, it will never finish. Whatever we reproduce, the plants will take it again and regenerate it and supply the oxygen again. That it will never finish. This, we think, is so, it just came to be. No thought to it. Do you see? So it says, we don't, we are not thankful, but became vain in the imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. The foolish heart was darkened. This is what has made man desperately wicked. When the heart is darkened, when the heart is darkened, this foolish heart has become darkened, but became vain in the imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, darkened of God. Whenever the heart is darkened of God, it becomes desperately wicked. professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 
They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So this is now how we see God. And we have created something to represent God. We can't explain, we cannot explain how the body works. We can't explain how the kidney it generates. We, we, don't, we can't explain how the liver is an organ that regenerates itself. We can't explain this. So let us make this and then let us tribute that. This is the reason why this. And then we have created things. People have made human beings as their gods. Like doctors are gods. Do you understand? And birds, just to, just to remove God from the equation, we've made images of birds and four-footed beasts. Some people worship cats. They have images of cats. Cats! As God. Okay? Some people worship all kinds of things, creeping things. Some people worship snakes as their gods. For they say, wherefore God also give them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own, uh, on their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God give us up. Listen, without God, we are, we are evil. Without God in us, we are wicked. Without God in us, we are, we are, we are desperately wicked. When we are not saved, when there's no God in us, we are desperately wicked. That is why the Bible says, when someone does not have Christ in him, don't even think of being equally yoked together. With, don't, don't look at the person that dresses nicely. He said, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So it's, God gave us up. God, God, God gave us up. That is the creation of the petition. Now, God gave us up. And he's too far from us. Have you seen a child whose parents have given up on him before? So, it says, who changed the truth of God into a lie? And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. He said, for this cause, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affection. Vile affection. Without God in us, we, 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 we think of we think of the worst. We think of the worst without God in us. So he said, God gave them up unto vile affection. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. It's against nature. Against nature. What is nature? Tell me you are outdoors here. What is nature? They, the, 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 the natural use, the natural use in nature is the woman to conceive. Isn't that so? That's the natural use. But it says that the woman did change the natural use. There's a natural use of the woman. Do you know that? John, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> There's a natural use. <laughs> And the next verse, it says, And likewise also the man, living the natural use of the woman. You see, the natural use, the natural use for the woman. The man's natural use for the woman. So there's a natural use. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm preaching. I'm preaching a good message. Listen, I don't care how you're looking at me. I am preaching a good message. The women who are not allowing natural use of you 
and you are going against nature. You are going against nature. <laughs> huh? You are going against nature. Ladies, can I hear an amen? amen? And likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust one toward another. Men, one toward another, lust for another man. You see? So, you see, they say that, um, oh, this is, um, someone is born with this. It's, it's, it's evil. Do you understand? So, it's not, it's not that you are making up a desire for a man. It is there. You have a desire, but it's an evil desire. Do you understand? It's an evil desire. It's a result of God giving up on you. That is what it is. So, it says, men lust one towards another. They are burned. Burned with lust. So it means that when a man sees a man, he's burned with lust. Do you understand? He's burned with lust. Seeing another man. (laughs) Men with men. Men with men. Working that which is unseemly. I don't know what the work is. But whatever is unseemly. Working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. To do those things which are not convenient. Some of the things, when you hear it, it's not even convenient. Being filled with all this is now. Listen, are you listening? Yes. This is where we are. We are looking at the unsaved man, the characteristics. When you can identify the unsaved man, is it being filled with all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. So I'm talking about unsaved man. As you are looking at him. Nicely dressed or unsaved woman, nicely dressed and smiling and quiet. This is how full she is or he is. Full of unrighteousness, full of fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, argument, everything, everything, debate, argument, deceit. They say, look up here, you have to look down. Deceit, full of deceit. Malignity, whisperers, backbiters. Wow. Haters of God. They hate God. Haters of God. You can't mention God in a certain place. There are certain places you can't mention God. They say, this place, you, you, you don't talk about God. Haters of God. At workplaces, you can't talk about God. They hate to hear that. Haters of God. They even know that you are a godly person or a man of God or something. They make life difficult for you. Haters of God. Despiteful. Proud. Boasters. Inventors of evil. Disobedient to parents. Without understanding. They don't understand. Covenant breakers. Are you listening? Covenant breakers. They divorce easily. This is an unsafe person. It doesn't, you see, when God is in you, divorce is difficult for you. It's difficult. Because the God in you says, I hate putting off. I hate it. I hate it. Putting away. I hate it. But they are covenant breakers. So you take someone to, you know, the court and say, let's marry easily. Oh, is that just sign? They will sign. It doesn't mean anything to them. It does not mean anything to them. They will easily break it. Let's go and sign. Let's end it. 
It doesn't mean anything. Covenant breakers. They don't. That you see, you people, you even entering into business with an unbeliever is a dangerous thing. Oh yes, I'm telling you, it's very dangerous. You sign an agreement. They break the agreement easily. They are unbelievers. Covenant doesn't mean anything to them. It says covenant breakers without natural affection. Implacable. Unmerciful. Implacable. Unmerciful. I'm talking about unsafe person. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are without are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So now, even if, if you are looking for a job and you are someone who is also you like men, you men like men, they give you a preference. They like you. They encourage, they they, they have pleasure in them that do the same thing. They will give you you are like you, you like the things I like. You do sinful things like me, so I'll take you. We are brothers. Do you understand? Yeah. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So this is the nature of man. This is the raw man, unsaved man, man without Christ. Hallelujah. Man without Christ. This is how we are. That is why rules and regulations cannot change us. This is our nature. This is in us. So you can't make rules and regulations and let us be changed. Do you understand? The law, the law did not help us. In fact, look at the next chapter, Romans chapter 2 and verse 17. Romans chapter 2 and verse 17. It says, maybe let's read this in the... Okay, let's look at this first. It says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. You depend on the law. You, that is a Jew. Someone who is called a Jew. He depends on the law. And he, he boasts of the law. And so, by the law, he thinks he's righteous with God. Do you understand? And knowest this way, his knowest his will by the law. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not. You know his will. And approves or approves the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. Do you see? All of this is out of the law, the instructions, the rules. You do this, you can't do this. You have to wash your hands. Before eating, you have to do this. You have to do that. You can't eat this animal. You can eat. You have to kill this this way. He says, "You know it, His will, and approves the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind." It's like you are a rabbi. You have gone by the law. You have studied the law, and now you are a rabbi. You are someone who now instruct and guide other people. Do you understand? And you are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law, in the law. Thou therefore, which teaches another? Teachest thou not thyself? Okay. He said, you who teach another, do you teach yourself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? You see? I'm talking about the law. If we are going by the law to make us righteous before God. He says, you who teaches that you should not steal. This is the law. Do you also steal? Do you not steal? Okay. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery. Does thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols. Does thou commit sacrilege? 
Are you with me? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. Because this is now your, your job. You are a teacher of the law. And do you not dishonor God? For the name of God is blasphemed among Gentiles through you, as it is written. That means if we are going by the law and we are doing only what the law says, even the unbelievers, they, are, they blaspheme God because they see you. They see that when they took the paper towels from the job, you also took some. <laughs> or you don't understand the word of God as I'm sharing with you. Do you understand? They saw that when you came and you were late and they, they came before you, they were late. And they put a time that they were not late. You also, you came after them. But you also put a time that you are not late. Are you not breaking the law? Do you understand what I'm saying? So for you, you are blaspheming the name of the Lord. As far as the unbelievers are concerned, there is nothing like Christianity. There's nothing like God. There's nothing like this. There's nothing. You blaspheme the name of the Lord. But you see, we are not saved by the law. Our righteousness is not because we obey the law. Our righteousness is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's because the blood of Jesus has washed us. That is why we say we, are, we belong to the Lord and we are the children of God. Do you understand? That is why when God gave them the laws, you see, when you are giving laws, you are condemned. The Bible says in Galatians that we are condemned by the laws. Do you understand? When you are giving the laws, there is... There is now, no salvation. There is no pardoning. There is a law. You break the law, you get the consequences. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You break the law, you get the consequences. Here is the law. It says, that shall not kill. If you kill, you receive the consequences. But now, salvation has come. And it's through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not by the law. Amen. And so the unsaved man potentially is wicked. And laws cannot change him. Laws could not change us. Giving us laws and regulations could not change us. Hallelujah. It could not change us. This is what makes Christianity different from all the other religions. This is what differentiates Christianity from all the other religions. The other religions, they give you laws. That the followers obey. They may say, for instance, pray seven times in a day. You know, pray looking in a certain direction. Eat certain types of food. You know, fast during certain periods. Do this and then you go to heaven. Christianity is not like that. That type of thing, it will not change a person. It will not change the nature of a person. So when a person is obeying all these rules, his heart is still desperately wicked. You can't say the person prays seven times a day and eats certain types of food, so I'll be safe to be with this person. His heart is desperately wicked. What really makes a change is when the person's heart has been changed. When that heart which is desperately wicked, when it has been changed, and that comes through being born again, through regeneration, when Christ takes that heart out of you and gives you a new heart. That is what transforms you. That is what makes you regenerated. So when Nicodemus came to Christ, when Nicodemus came to Christ, the Bible says that he was a religious leader. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? He was one of the Pharisees. He came to Jesus by night. I mean, just coming to Jesus alone shows that there's some good in the person. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It shows that there's some good in the person. Isn't that what it means? Just that this man, among his sect, among his group, he sneaked out. He says he came by night. He didn't want anyone to see. That means that he has some good in him to desire to even meet God. Okay? 
But as soon as he encountered Christ, he says, you are a religious leader. You're supposed to know certain things. You are this. You know, you know, you're supposed to know the law. You know, but you have to be born again. If you are not born again, no matter how much you know, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Because this heart, it can enter the kingdom of God. God has given up on this heart. It has to be changed. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So the unsaved man is desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked. Amen. It's desperately evil. Desperately wicked. We are as though we are like grenades. You know what is a grenade? Yes. Grenade is like a bomb. It's a bomb. And it is a small thing. You know? And sometimes if you, if you look at it, it's even nice. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It's even nice. It looks nice. It looks shiny. And it's like a metal, nice. It looks like a toy. Do you understand? And even a child can play with it. And if you, a child is holding it, it looks so benign. In, even in the hand of a child. We are all like grenades. But, you see, that thing is packed with deadly weapons. It's packed with deadly weapons. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? And a child can play with it. Throwing it around. You can play with it as long as you don't trigger it. You see, human beings are like grenades without Christ. The unsaved man is like a grenade. It looks very nice. As long as you don't trigger it, it is safe. You can play with it for a long time if you don't trigger it. But does it mean that that thing is not potentially deadly? It doesn't mean that that thing is not potentially dead. It can only become potentially safe if we empty all the deadly things that are inside. Do you see? That is the only time you can play with it and be safe with it. Then it becomes a toy that you can play with. So you see a beautiful young woman that you think is like my babe and a toy, honey, my sweetie, and you are playing with and you are, and there's no Christ in that person and you think it's like a toy, you know, that I can, you know, play with. You can, I can kiss and I can hug and I can dance with and I can do all kinds of it is deadly, poisonous waiting to be detonated and one day you will detonate it one day you will detonate it by leaving your socks all over the place and you will see that this is deadly do you understand? By reserving some food for special guests and you came and you just ate it, you will see that this thing can be deadly. You need to just trigger it. Then you see the explosion. Look, we are all packed with, we are all packed with, packed, packed, packed. But it's the blood of Jesus. I said the blood of Jesus. It removes the trigger. It takes off the trigger. It makes you safe to be with. It makes you safe to handle. It makes you safe to live with the blood of Jesus. Listen, you cannot compare an unbeliever to a saved person, a Christian, any day, never, any day. Even unbeliever with uncontrolled flesh, I would take unbeliever, I mean, I would take a believer with uncontrolled flesh any day compared to a pure unbeliever. Is desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. He's nicely dressed. You come and then he will pull the chair for you to sit down. He'll come and run and open the car door for you. And a nice gentleman. He's desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. As you are sitting down, he pulls the chair. He takes your coat, first of all. As you are taking your coat, he's right behind you. You just lose your hand like this, and then you remove your coat. Then he'll, he'll, he'll hang your coat on his hand 
like this and then walk you. He will walk you into the restaurant holding your handbag and then walk you into the restaurant and then he pulls the chair and then you sit down and then he pulls it back like this to catch you perfectly, nicely. And then he will hang your coat nicely and then he sit down and then he folds his hand like this in front of him and sit looking at you desert. And he says, when I look at your face, there, there, there is something that when I look at your face, he says, I, I, I can't describe what is happening in my heart. When I look, just looking at your face. And he says, he says, I can sit here all evening and just look at you. I will not eat. I can sit here all evening like this and just look at you. I will not eat. Just eat. I will just look at you. And for dessert, look at you some more. And I'll be fine. He is desperately wicked. Who can know it? What is in his heart? Who can know it? Desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Unbeliever. Desperately wicked. Without Christ... He says, backbiters, covenant breakers, without Christ, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I tell you. That is why, that is why I would rather deal with a, a believer, someone who has received Christ, someone who has received Christ any day any day, that God is working on him, because I know that whatever stage you are, is a good work, because I know that someone has begun something in you, whatever stage you are, yes, you are in this stage, but I know it's a process, something is happening, something, I know that there is a God who is watching over you, any day, amen, desperately wicked, who can know it, Are you understand what I'm sharing with you? Oh, she doesn't talk much. Oh, no, no, she doesn't talk. You see, oh, is that your beloved? Yeah, we've been here all this night and we've not even heard a, a word from her. That's how she so she doesn't talk. She doesn't talk. You know, I don't know. I don't know. She's so shy. You know, she's very shy, very quiet. You know, she doesn't talk. She doesn't, she doesn't talk much. You know, when I'm with her, I keep talking and talking and talking. And she doesn't talk. Every time she's just smiling. She's just smiling. She's just smiling. And then you say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this woman. Thank you for this. The Bible says she's desperately Wicked. Who can know it? Desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen. The unsaved man. Hallelujah. Next. Okay, we'll pause here. Because um, let's pause here. And then we'll continue next time that we meet. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Clap your hands for Jesus. Stand to your feet. Please. Oh Lord. Father, we are grateful. We are thankful. Oh Lord, oh Jesus, we are thankful. We are grateful. We are thankful. We are grateful. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that you gave us your only begotten son to die for us. Oh Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful. We are thankful for our salvation. We are thankful, Lord. We are grateful. We are thankful and grateful for the gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice. 
we thank you lord for the love with which you have loved us to give us your only begotten son oh jesus we are grateful we are thankful we thank you for this cross we thank you lord for the crown of thorns we thank you for the suffering we are grateful we cherish you we love you how that you have redeemed us you have reconciled us with the father we are thankful jesus oh jesus whilst we were yet sinners in our wickedness in this desperate situation in our wickedness in our evil thoughts whilst we were still sinners you died for us you shed your blood for us oh you forsook your crown in heaven and you came to be with man all for our sakes we thank you jesus we are grateful in the name of jesus now with all eyes closed and every head bow you are here tonight you are not born again you are saying pastor pray with me i want to receive jesus christ as my savior i want to give my life to jesus i want to receive jesus as my lord and my savior if that is your prayer with all eyes closed every head bow lift up your right hand and i'll pray with you anyone here like that you want to receive jesus christ as your savior lift up your right hand and i'll pray with you father we are thankful and grateful for the gift of salvation we thank you for the sacrifice we thank you lord that you have called us to be partakers of this great and wonderful kingdom we thank you lord for the redemption we thank you lord for the reconciliation we thank you father for for us the curtain is broken and now oh god we can call you our father we give you glory we give you honor in jesus name amen hallelujah we believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message we invite you to join us on sunday afternoons for our duel of heaven service and tuesday evenings for our word power service for more messages by reverend bright and kuma please subscribe to the QFC Bronx North Podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738. Stay blessed.